Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, Senior NBA Insider for Hoopside.com and the host of the Hoopside Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend and longtime 76ers beat writer, Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. We're going to discuss what's next for the Sixers after the James Harden trade to the Clippers, including Joel Embiid's future, Tyrese Maxey's free agency, and some potential trade and free agency targets for the Sixers. Keith, I appreciate you joining me on the line after uh, a busy couple of days in, in Philly with the uh, blockbuster James Harden trade. How's, how's everything going your way now that the dust has settled a little bit? I mean, it's cool. Now it's kind of like you can focus on basketball, focus on seeing how good this team is for the, you know, for the time being. You know, it's interesting because some people in Philadelphia made it seem like, you know, they were definitely a better team with James Harden than without. But I don't know. You know, we're going to see if that's true or not ultimately now and what they end up doing with the assets they got. But um so far, Tyrese Maxey's been off to a good start. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to why this James Harden trade happened now, um, you know, I mean, I, you hear different things. Like Daryl Morey, I heard, was on very little sleep over the past few nights working the phones on the Harden deal. And, you know, I, I know Tyrese has played well, but – it seemed like it was at a point where this was the best deal the Sixers were going to get because the Clippers were the only team seriously interested. Like New York called a while back, but that was just due diligence and nothing was ever serious there. And I'm told Miami never had interest in James Harden. So um, from your standpoint, why was now the time that this James Harden trade happened um, since we already started the regular season at this point. I mean, I, I think what you said, you hit the nail, um, you know, on the, on the head, so to speak. Um, it, it's one of those things where you look at it and you want to say, okay, well, they're looking at it and Tyrese Maxey is balling. But at the same time, it, it was one of those things where that was the only real legitimate offer that they had. Now, maybe it's one of those things where, you know, Nick Nurse and other people wanted to get the season on and were getting tired of what was about to become a circus. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, you know, maybe, right? And and so you look at it, James was get ready and uh, get reintroduced to the team again. But that was by far the only legitimate offer they got. Now, they could have waited and done some other things um, and – you know, that would have been okay, but at the same time, I just feel like that they were setting themselves up for a major distraction for what if, if they would have kept James. And like you said, that was the best thing. And the worst thing is you don't want a team like the Clippers 
to start gelling and and mend and and getting better, then all of a sudden they're saying to themselves, "Well, hey, guess what? You messed up. We could go out and get Malcolm Brogdon." You know, <laughs> it's funny you say it, <clears throat> you say that because Brogdon switched over to clutch sports. And, you know, the joke was up. Oh, I guess now he's going to end up going to the Lakers somehow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for Philly, again, I, I agree with you that it was like kind of the best trade they were going to get. What I was curious of, you know, you being there on the ground day to day, brother, was, you know, Daryl. I think deep down in his heart, Darrell really didn't want to trade James Harden, and I think he would have liked um, them to work it out. But that was never going to be. You know, James had made that pretty clear. So how much do you think ownership really played into this with um, Josh Harris and, you know, uh, Steve Ballmer? I mean, I know there's been some talk about it, but from from your vantage point, how much of a needle mover was ownership in this? I mean, I think they moved the needle. I mean, I do. Because when you look at it, um, you know, when you look at it, it like last week or was it two weeks ago, you know, Daryl was adamant about, hey, we want Terrence Mann in this deal, right? I mean, now they did say that we want to get two first round picks and we do want to get an all-star player. We want something that's going to bring us an all-star player. Right. But it was also that they wanted Terrence Mann. And, and as you know, I saw it on hoops. Like, you know, Vinny Goodwill had that report saying that he heard that this was something that the ownership did. Right. And when you think about what they got back, granted, I, I like for them what they got back, but they didn't get Terrence Mann. And and what happened is two weeks ago, now maybe you're always bluffing and say we're going to come back to you, but it does seem like they didn't get everything that they wanted. And when you hear that they didn't get everything that they wanted, it's kind of sort of like uh, I think ownership did push it through. And then Daryl, Daryl, to Daryl's credit, he did address it today, right? And, um, you know, and I'm going to read to you what, what Daryl said, because mm-hmm. it, it kind of, he says, I mean, it, it kind of sort of, um, you know, makes you wonder. He says, look, everyone knows that ownership is involved in trades on every team. He said, the teams that say the opposite aren't truthful. It's just the bottom line. Ownership, I can only speak from my side. I don't know how much their side was involved. Our side was straightforward, the same. Always keep abreast of our plans, making rec- recommendations for when we make trades, and they signed off on them. It was a very standard trade, so I didn't quite follow that reporting. Now, I understand what Daryl's saying, like, but when he comes out and says, look, everyone knows that ownership is involved on trades on every team. When he, when he said that, maybe he misspoke. But to me, when you say that and then Vinny comes out with that report, it makes it sound like, yeah, Josh did have a lot to do with it. You know what I mean? Or I'm shouldn't say a lot, but he had something to do with it, mm-hmm. getting it, you know, getting it passed through. Yeah. And I mean, I know they didn't get Terrence Mann in the deal. And by the way, everybody talked about, you know, Terrence Mann. 
Like, in all these big trades in years past, like, I remember J.J. Hickson wasn't, you know, on the table for, like, Amari Stoudemire. Or, like, the Carmelo Anthony deal was hung up by Timothy Mozgov for a while. It's just wild to me how certain players are, like, the sticking point in, in certain deals. And so they don't get Terrence Mann, but they did get K.J. Martin, who I've heard is a player that Philadelphia is intrigued with. And they're going to have the necessary cap space to re-sign him, despite him becoming an unrestricted free agent in July. I think that's something to keep an eye on there. That, all right, maybe he didn't get Terrence Mann, but K.J. Martin's a nice player. The other veterans they got, you know, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum. Uh, you know, they could be role guys on a team this year. Or you take those expiring contracts and the picks that you got and you flip them and you know that, and that's kind of leading me into our next topic here, Keith. Where now you've got these assets, you've got future picks, um, and you've got expiring contracts that you can package um, in a trade. And, and you know, KJ Martin as well, if you really wanted to. So now, to me, and to anybody, you know, you talk to around the league, they're they're going to be aggressive trying to upgrade this roster between the before the trade deadline if they can, and at worst by the summer of twenty twenty four. You've got to do something by then with all that money you have in free agency, even if you can't get a trade. To me, this roster and and to others around the league, there's got to be a significant move. You know, as, you're, as as other teams are monitoring the happiness of Joel Embiid. And if there's one thing that Daryl Morey has shown he can do, whether it was, you know, in Houston or in Philly when he first got Harden, is it, this guy gets star players. So I, I certainly see them flipping those assets if they can get a, uh, an all-star caliber guy soon. Um and, and there's a bunch of different targets we got to look at, brother. So now some potential targets to keep an eye on for Philadelphia are going to include Zach Levine, who can spread the floor, and OG Ananobi, who is loved by Coach Nick Nurse, which I think is important. He offers two-way versatility on both sides of the ball. And the Sixers are going to have the cap space to re-sign him ultimately, which I, I think is also important because for Toronto, that's going to be an interesting decision. Um, as well. Other names Philadelphia will monitor include Cavaliers all-star guard Donovan Mitchell and Pistons forward Boyan Bogdanovich, I'm told. Now, Donovan is a similar situation where eventually, depending on how Cleveland does, there's a little bit of pressure there in the sense that you, they're not going to want to take a step back with Donovan. They're going to want to try, you know, and, and take a step forward to see if he's that guy and that he wants to stay there ultimately um, and, and be a part of that team. If they get an inclination that he doesn't want to be there long-term, then you got to flip him for the best assets you can um, if things go south. So Philadelphia is going to be monitoring him. And Boyan Bogdanovich, who's already going to be, you know, he was out a minimum four weeks to start the season. We'll see what it's going to be when they reassess him. But he's a guy a lot of playoff caliber teams have looked at. He'd fit well with the spacing in Philadelphia, certainly. 
you know, I, I think it was Charles Barkley on TNT that was talking about Carl Towns potentially, but I've heard he's not a great fit with Philly alongside Embiid, that they don't see that because they've seen how the two big man system worked in Minnesota and they're not in love with that pairing. Um, you know, for, for other people that talk about Zach Levine, some will say, well, what about DeMar DeRozan? Well, he's an all-star caliber guy, but he's not an ideal fit in terms of the spacing for Philly. Um, he's more of a mid-range guy. Joel's going to kind of be around there for post-ups and other things. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam's name has been out there in trade rumors over the summer, but I don't gather he's a target for the Sixers that they're currently looking at. Um, and the last one that I, I, I brainstormed on was Jeremy Grant. Because he's also been mentioned as a name to watch with Portland in a rebuild mode. But I'm told Philadelphia doesn't see him as an ideal trade target. So when you look at the landscape now at the start of the season and who could become available by February, do you see any of those names, like maybe a guy they go after more than the other and who has a better chance of being a sixer given the assets they have? I think the main thing that you need to pay attention to that will help you determine who they need to go after and who could be a main target is how Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris continue to play, right? But but more so Tyrese Maxey. Because I feel like if the Sixers want to – I mean, a lot of people want to go after, like, they got to get Donovan Mitchell or they got to get Zach Levine but they're not playing fantasy basketball, right? And and the thing is, if Tyrese Maxey continues to ascend and play the way that he played, and again, I get it, it's only three games, but if he continues to play that way, OG and Bondanovich may be the two best players for you. You understand what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're thinking about it, like that way, I feel like that you can – you can get them on a bargain comparable to the other guys, right? I mean, you know, you can. And then also, like, you're going to pay Maxi, and then you can probably go get something else too, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, I just feel like um, OG, the things that he brings that on the defensive end and things like that, and Badanovich, the way that he can space a space the floor, to me, if Maxi is, is, like, continue to play lights out, that's what you need. You need to build a roster like, you know, and then you can go get Zach. Um, you know, I mean, the thing about Zach is how is he going to fit in? And and again, if you have to make it work, it will work. But how is he going to fit in knowing he's not going to be the guy that's going to get as many shots as he wants to? And And the thing about Donovan Mitchell, you know, he's a guy who's always been like, what a number one option. I mean, you look at what happened in Cleveland. He goes to Cleveland the first before he got there. What did they have like three all stars? And then next thing you know, like he comes in and he overshadows them. I don't know how that's going to work out with him and Bede and Maxi. Now, if Maxi wasn't ascending, then I say go ahead. The same thing with Zach. But when you have OG, a guy who Nick Nurse loves, you know, a guy who does all the intangible things that plays winning basketball for you. I mean, I really like that. I really like that fit for the 76ers. But again, 
is all predicated on if Maxi can continue to ascend, if he can play like all-star level type of ball and become that guy. Yeah, I'm going after OG. I think ultimately it's going to be a wing player. Um, OG for his two-way versatility, I think makes sense. It's just interesting because he's not, he hasn't been an all-star yet and he's certainly going to get paid a ton of money. Um, I don't know if they necessarily view him as a quote unquote max guy, mm-hmm. but they have, would have the space if they had to go that high. If somebody else tried to uh, make an offer or things along that line, you know, when the time comes. So I, I could see that. I think certainly Nick Nurse's input would be one that they would uh, certainly take into account um, for sure. And from like I said, from what I've heard, he's he's a fan of OG. So I just think it's interesting, you know. I also don't see like uh, again. I I got a kick out of like Charles talking, Charles Barkley talking about Carl Towns. I, I just I never saw that as a fit. Um, I think they had a little fight or a skirmish or something even years ago um, when Ben Simmons was on the team and he. Uh, he made him tap out like he was in the WWE. So I, I, I thought that one was interesting. But, um, yeah, you brought up a good point about um, Tyrese and Tobias. I guess I'll start with Tyrese, Keith. I mean, you know, Philly can spend and then they can, you know, keep Tyrese after that. Um, from what I've heard, the, the 76ers are preparing for Tyrese Maxey to be a max player in the summer of twenty. 24 and free agency. Um, I'm told. So I think he's certainly going to be worth that and grow into that. He's a rising star and a potential all-star caliber player, whether it's this year or in the years to come. Um, I I think they got to figure out if he's like a de facto point guard or just a guy that has the ball in his hands and, and makes plays. He's not a traditional point guard, obviously, but um you know, the results with him having the ball in his hands have, have worked uh, pretty well so far. I think, uh, I certainly think they think he has a shot to be an all-star. Some, some think he could maybe be all NBA one day. Time will tell. Um, But I mean, is that, is that what you see kind of for him? Like as, as the playmaker, I, I think the days of him being the off ball guy where Harden handled the ball, I think those days are done. Yeah, it, the one thing is, um, you know, again, there's only been three games, but but I will say that Maxi has exceeded my expectations, you know, um, because I always felt like Maxi wasn't a point guard, I, and and I still think ideally, you know, he's better off the ball, right? I mean, as far as like now, he can have the ball on in his hands but creating his own shot, you know, getting out there and stuff like that. But as far as being a traditional point guard, running a show, running offense, like, you know, that you think he's not that guy. But in these first three games, he looked like that guy. Now, again, they get out, they go fast. They, you know, he he creates for himself. Um, but he also is smart enough to know when somebody is the hot hand I'm going to continue feeding that guy the ball, like what he did to Kelly Oubre the first game that they played in against the Milwaukee Bucks, right? So you see stuff like that, and you're, like, impressed. And you see the work ethic. 
But in regards to how good can he become, you know, it, it, I think we still have to wait and see, right? But, 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 you know, what I think, Mike, is for this team to like be able to go deep in the playoffs. You, you probably are going to have to get someone in there. He may that person may not have to start, right? But you need somebody that you know can be a leader, someone who can run run the show when Maxi isn't there, or if you want to move Maxi off the ball. But from what I saw, like I think he, you know, he's in line to if he continues this to be an all star. Like let's face it, he was the athlete of the week. I mean, he averaged the first two games. He had sixty five points. 15 assists and only one turnover. That's impressive. You know, that's impressive. So, I mean, he he could do it. I don't know. Like right now, if I'm going to say Tyrese Maxey is all NBA at this particular stage, but who's to say in a couple years, you know, like who's to say, but he does look good, man. He really looks good. Hey man, listen, it's three games into the, it's, it's less than five games into the season right now. Like Cam Thomas is, one of the top scorers in the NBA, you know, he's playing like at an all-star level. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely a little early. Um, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, you touched a little bit on Tobias too. I mean, I've talked to executives around the league and, you know, while everybody talks about Tyrese Maxey as the player who's going to break out following the James Harden trade, I think people forget, you know, Tobias Harris was a guy that could drop 20 points a game and, I could see him getting close to the high teens or 20-point range again, and executives around the league think he's going to um, have a good season and flourish in a, in a contract season. I mean, um, you know, he said so far, you know, he's not worrying about free agency and you know, all that stuff is going to take care of itself. I mean, I'm curious from your standpoint, Keith, this is a guy that was mentioned um, in some trade talks a little bit over the summer. Um, I think you had touched upon that in the, in the Philadelphia Inquirer specifically, if I remember correctly on Tobias. Um, when you look at him, do you see him as a guy that's going to be a sixer this year and, and long-term? I know it's early, but I'm curious your opinion on it because um, this is a guy that they gave a max contract to previously, and they essentially chose him over Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Like, it was really they actually they essentially chose really chose Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler, and Tobias got paid because of it, right? Um, but uh, but 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 yeah, here's the deal. And see, that's why I like OG, right? That's that's why I like OG because I, I feel like Nick Nurse also loves Tobias Harris. He loves what he brings, right? You look at Tobias, and let's go back. Now, you've known Tobias for a long time, right? You know, he followed his career. When he was with the Clippers, he was, like, you know, close to be playing on an all-star level, right? He was the man. And then he comes to the Sixers, and then all of a sudden, he becomes the third option, the fourth option. Uh, then all of a sudden, they want him to space the floor. They want him to do, like, you know, different things, right, That he that, that he's not really comfortable with doing. Then comes Nick Nurse. And there's nothing against Pascal Siakam or Chris Boucher or all these other guys. But five years ago, Tobias was rated higher than all of them. Like he was that guy, right? So you look at the things that 
Nick Nurse has been able to do with these other guys who have similar skill sets to Tobias, and you feel like that Tobias could thrive. If Tobias thrives, and, and it's also one of those things where when teams were calling Daryl Morey and asking the, the trade for Tobias, Daryl Morey knows Tobias's value. That's why he was asking for those crazy things in return. Because if I'm going to get rid of them, you're going to have to make me think that I'm really winning this deal because they like what he has. So with all that being said, I feel like if Tobias balls out, he could come back. Now, is he going to come back for the money that he's making right now? Probably not. They're not going to do all that. But um, but but at the same time, I do believe that he'll get paid. It just won't be that close to a max deal with the Sixers because guess what? They they're going to have to pay Maxi. OG is is going. They're going to try to pay him as well. And you know they do have Tobias's bird right, so they could give him another max. But at the same time, I think that they're more concerned with building a roster. But they will make a very lucrative you know, uh, offer to him if he balls out. And I think that he will, man, I do. I think you can see Tobias having a big year and they and they could, you know, very well ask him to come back because they really like him. I mean, Maury likes him. Nick Nurse loves him. You, you know, so I think Tobias could be a, a good fit for this team. I mean, I, talk, I had talked to Tobias when he was in town in Brooklyn and he did say that, Playing for Nick Nurse, he was very excited about it. He liked some of the actions that they had him in. And I, I could see him, like I said, having a big year. And I know other executives could see it as well. Um, you know, all of this stuff that we're talking about, by the way, is centered around Joel Embiid, the MVP. And, you know, everybody around the league has had, you know, wishful thinking in a sense that, Okay, after James Harden gets traded, that how would Joel Embiid feel was the question. Would he would he want to demand out? And I certainly think that they've got assets to make a move now. They've certainly got enough cap space to make a move in the summer or use it as uh, a trade piece to acquire, you know, a big time star that's making a ton of money. Um, you know. From your standpoint with Joel, what is kind of the, what's his kind of vibe now that this whole saga has ended? Because certainly, and, and you touched on the Knicks in particular. I mean, Lord knows we all have. It's the worst kept secret that the Knicks have been monitoring Joel Embiid for the longest time. Um, as our other teams, but the Sixers don't want to move Embiid now. And unless, you know, he asks out, I don't see it anytime soon. But that begs the question, in your opinion, where is Joel Embiid's happiness level in Philadelphia right now? And possibly more importantly, his confidence that this team is going to be able to bolster the roster, whether by the trade deadline or free agency. Yeah, and and that, that's a great question because you know here's the deal. Let's if you ask Joel, and if you know, of course he's going to say I'm excited, I'm happy to be here, right? Um, 
you know, I think everything's, you know, working out. I want to retire as a 76er. But that's what he's supposed to say, right? What I what I believe is that Joel Embiid is paying close attention to what's going on, right? He is. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, yes, they made the trade. They have the, they have the draft capital now to go out there and get something. They have the expiring contracts to go out there and get something. But I'll say that, you know, right now the Sixers have the rest of this season. They have, uh, you know, free agency to do something and to, to make Joel happy. So they have a timeline to do something. So I feel like if the 76ers are unable to do something and like if Maxie, you know, doesn't ascend to being that guy or these other guys aren't playing well, you know, I, I do think that we can hear about Joel Embiid quietly saying, hey, I think it's time for me to go. You know, I do. Because the, the thing is, there are a lot of teams that are going to want him. We are, like we said, we already talked about the Knicks. But when you talk about, like, a continuity, the Sixers haven't had that. I mean, think of all the different players that he's played with, not just the different players that he, like, um, played play with. Let's talk about the different co-stars that he had. I mean, from Jimmy Butler to 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 uh, James Harden to Ben Simmons to, you know, I mean, you could go on and on and on of all these different guys who were supposed to be the guy, Markel Folks, like all of them. So it comes a point in time where, you know, if you're serious about winning the championship and, and getting the ring, I mean, that's one of those things where as a competitor in you, like you can't fault a person for wanting to leave after a while. But at this particular time, I'll say that, you know, Joel is just monitoring the situation, seeing how everything goes. You know, right now they're a little optimistic because, you know, Maxi is playing well. They got a bunch of role players that can help them, help them out. But at the same time, I feel like if Maury and them don't do anything with this and they and they suffer another second round loss and, and you know, this free flowing thing isn't working out. Yeah, I could see Joel asking for, you know, for a trade. Now, again, I'm not talking about in the middle of the season. I'm talking about, you know, heading into next year. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting to see if Joel ultimately asks out or not, um, there's still going to be a lot of suspense around this Philadelphia 76ers team. Are they a top four team, you know, right now? Is Joel Embiid going to be happy? Is Tyrese Maxey going to ascend to be an all-star? Um, how far can they go under Nick Nurse? These are all questions that we're going to have to uh, wait and see on, brother. But um, as intriguing as the Sixers are going to be, your coverage of the Sixers and the Philadelphia Inquirer is equally going to be intriguing. I know there will be many headlines as we get into the season, and I wish you well, brother, as we get underway. I appreciate you joining me, my man. Thanks again. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always. And I want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it now, 
at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Keith too. He's at Pompeii on Sixers. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.